I'm Eli Smith, and I don't cry at movies, but I want to. I'm Cody Lunsford, and I cry at movies all the time. It is now my job to make Eli cry at movies. From best pictures... And purely nostalgia. This is... Live and let cry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live and Let Cry, a monthly podcast maxi-series to find a movie to make Eli Smith cry. I'm Cody Lunsford. Today on the show, we'll be discussing a movie that feels as melancholy as listening to folklore and evermore in front of a fireplace, Carol. But before that, let's say hello to Mr. Dry Eyes, Eli Smith. Hey, Eli. Hello, Cody. My eyes are as dry as ever. Yeah. So so you haven't cried since we've spoken last. You know, I haven't, but I did almost cry exactly three times recently. Um, okay. And... They were unfortunately not related to the new Taylor Swift album, which I do love and think is very good, but it's very good. Her music doesn't typically make me cry. It was the fact that I rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy recently. Um, and each of them explicitly at one single point made me almost cry. Um, but you have callously denied me <laughs> the opportunity to do those movies on this show because they're too long and, uh, you hate they me. are too long, and I just watched them, and I'm now trying to watch the Hobbit movies, and it's taking me longer because I don't want to watch those movies. Yeah. Um, so I'm taking like three-week gaps in between them. I get it. I get it. Lord of the Rings, especially for a lot of people, is really very emotionally affecting. I feel like there's times where it hits me. There's other times where it doesn't hit me as much. I have a Lord of the Rings tattoo. I should feel stronger about them, I think, than I do. Um, but I think it's more that I really, really love them, but then there's people who love them more than me. So I just internalize that as, I guess I don't like them that much, (laughs) you know? Uh, yeah, that's a bummer. You should just allow yourself to love them whatever (laughs) amount you love them and not worry about other people loving them more than you. You know, that is what I should be able to do, but I... I don't know. It's it's hard for me liking things, thinking about other people liking things, if that, if that makes any sense. So, like, oftentimes, like, th- there's shows I like, but then there's people who are annoying about the show, and it, like, yeah. kind of colors the things for me. And, you know, I, I don't think Lord of the Rings fans are really that annoying, though. It, it's no, one of... I don't think so. I mean, I, I guess there I can see certain types of them being really annoying. Um, there's... They're a lesser form. They're they're a lesser toxic fan base than a lot of the other franchises that right. I think we like a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, their toxicity just comes in like correcting you and yelling about Tom Bombadil, which like I'll take that over you know Star Wars right. um, debates. Um, but we do know what is the least toxic fan base, Eli, don't we? Yeah, it's the Carol fandom. Well, not what I was setting you up for. <laughs> I actually didn't know what you were setting me up for. Well, you have become the TikTok ambassador oh, of this fandom. Uh, Avatar. Avatar. <laughs> yes. James James Cameron's World of Pandora. Yeah, we um, we do stand the beautiful jungle we moon. Do stand. You ever think about the fact that Pandora is a moon, not a planet? People forget that, don't they? Eli, I did not recall that, so now that's something that I really have to wrestle with, yeah. which 
and it begs the questions in the sequels, are we going to see the planet Pandora? Are we going to get off the moons? Are we I was thinking about that. Planet? I think one yeah. of them we will. I think see, The Way of Water is going to be a water movie, and then there will be like an air movie where we fly to the planet. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's the Tolkien writer. I don't know. Gosh, I'm so excited. I <laughs> like so good. not a bit. I like not a bit. I legitimately, and I am someone who felt somewhat ambivalent towards the movies. I was yeah. kind of impressed when I first saw it in 3D, of course, and then watched it at home, and I was like, I am tired and it's long. Yeah. Um, I rewatched but, it recently and was like, this is good, but I am mainly just excited about it. I think all the sequels will be significantly better than the first one. I just have a feeling. I agree because I think there will be, and you touch on it in your letterbox review, there will be less human stuff. There's yes. not going to be zero hero stuff or zero human stuff, but it'll be a lot less. Right. And I kind of think James Cameron should have just been like, here's an alien world. Shut up. Um, Eli, when the the dark, dark times are over, mm-hmm. you are going to have to come visit me in Orlando, and you will not be allowed to go anywhere else in Disney World. <laughs> we yes. will just simply go to Pandora, and that is it. Absolutely. I do have to also visit the beloved planet of Batu at some point. Yeah, you can visit Batu. But I, I'm more Batuu's excited good. about the beautiful jungle moon of Pandora. The, the, the world of Pandora legitimately is gorgeous like it's so pretty in there and the rides are good and my wife and I truly almost started tearing up on the Navi river journey because we saw the shaman and that animatronic is so impressive and she's like singing to you and playing drums and it just was like it's very calm and it's cold cool in there it it like really affects you yeah that could be the thing that ends this podcast (laughs) Is you going on the Navi River journey? Yeah. Um, you may cry in Batu. It's it's pretty cool seeing the stuff there. Um, it could happen. Cody, have when you, you cried? see Ray? It's nice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> have you cried recently? I have. I'm sure. Um, I I mean, Taylor Swift does have two sad albums out. Um, like yeah, and they are like. It, it's it's hard to express, right? You know, it's become a meme a bit of like, let me go in a cottage and listen to these. But like, these two albums really are like striking at something, like at a very specific kind of emotion that's not just like a sad, here I'm going to make you cry, I'm purposely trying to make you cry. It's really like a melancholy type thing. It's, it's, it's kind of the feeling I get like watching Lilo and Stitch, which I've talked yeah. about on best pictures before where like, there's just this underlying sadness and it like doesn't overwhelm everything. There are still moments of joy, but there's just like a little level of depression and melancholy through it. And so like just being in a car when it's like a little rainy as those albums play are really, uh, really get me in the feels as uh katie perry said in her song um so i did cry at those um i feel like i i watched wolf walkers and i got pretty close to crying in that that's a new animated film that's very good and um it it brought me close to tears but i didn't quite get there i still gotta watch that you do it's on the easily accessible (laughs) apple tv plus that's the Um, one i don't have i mean I can access it, but... Yeah, I was like, I'm sure you can yeah. ha- 
access it. Um, I guess you haven't bought a new iPhone recently enough to qualify. How recent does it need to be? Well, I mean, you would have had to activate the free oh, okay. thing, and they give you like three months to do that or something. Yeah. Um, nope. But, you know, whenever you convert to the iPhone, whatever we're on now, you could get it then. Or just get a free trial for. Unfortunately, um, I'll probably never watch Wolf Walkers because if I get Apple TV Plus, you're going to make me watch Ted Lasso too. I'm. I am going to make you watch Ted Lasso. I. I, I guess you watched. Um, I guess spoilers for an upcoming purely nostalgia episode, but um, the uh, Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it called? It's a Chris. It's a Christmas Charlie Brown. <laughs> it's it's cr- Christmas in the. In, in in the neighborhood, Charlie Brown. It's, no, it's Christmas a Charlie Brown Christmas. That's what it is. Which is a Apple TV Plus exclusive now, but I'm I guess it, you saw it. It's free though. Oh, it, they have it free for now. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Is like it's it's free until Christmas is over, and then they're gating it again. They do make you put in your credit card number though, which is but they're like very clear. They're like you are not signing up for Apple TV Plus, but we do need your credit card number. <laughs> For, for what? I don't know. <laughs> for what? Well, it's because Apple wants to make everything easy, and they yeah. want you, once you watch that free Charlie Brown, to be like, oh, now I want Apple TV+, Plus, and then yeah. they'll give it to you. But yes, um, you will have to watch uh, Ted Lasso and Wolf Walkers, and once I'm done with Ted Lasso, I will start Dickinson, so that's another show that I probably will start <laughs> yelling yeah. at my friends to watch, because um, it stars Hawkeye Jr. Um yeah, so those those were kind of my cry moments. I don't know that there was anything. I mean, it's the Christmas season, right? Right. Um, how how does Christmas normally hit you? Are you normally kind of a sad Christmas boy, a happy Christmas boy? Um. So I don't want to talk about this too much because I think I will talk about it a lot in my Charlie Brown Christmas episode of my okay. Other I, don't, I don't want to. But I I will just say like I relate heavily to Charlie Brown when okay. in that christmas special where he's just like i don't feel the christmas spirit anymore like that was a crisis that i had at when i was like a preteen probably like i used to feel so happy at christmas why don't i anymore and then i just realize it's like the world and so now i just i feel sad almost always at christmas time but i still am i still like find joy in like christmas movies and christmas music and all that stuff but like it's a overall just like a melancholy time for me i feel like I agree, and I and I think that's like that. You you have so much joy as a kid around Christmas because it's simplistic, right? Um, you just wake up, Santa's there. You've got Christmas. You're with your family, that kind of thing. When you get older, there's a bit of what am I missing out on if I can't yeah. be with my family for this entire season. I mean, this Christmas is especially hard because most of the time I feel the quote-unquote Christmas spirit, but it does right. have the uh, melancholia uh, attached to it. But this year, it's hard to even feel it at all because A, I'm in Florida. B, I can't even really go to anything that would inspire a Christmas feeling. Um, yeah, it, it's a weird season because it's in the middle of winter, which is, sucks. <laughs> like, I, 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 I'm not the biggest winter fan. But, it, but winter just is, you're cold, you're not as happy if you have 
seasonal depression. Yeah. Um, and um, then Christmas comes around and you kind of have to fake happy. And that comes with its own level of being sad. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't fake it anymore. I just kind of like <laughs> treat Christmas as like a bit like it's a bit where we all (laughs) we all watch christmas (laughs) movies and we do christmas songs it's like your disney bit of watching every disney movie that's what christmas season is to me now that's so interesting because i i still feel really big christmas moments i still christmas even christmas day i still kind of can reach those yeah it's it it's strangely they're Maybe not strangely, but there are a little moments of hollowness. Like once Christmas is like over on Christmas Day with my family and my wife's family. Like once we've opened the presents and given everybody hugs and then it's just, okay, what do we do now until we go to sleep? Yeah. <laughs> There's kind of that weird empty feeling. Um, so I, I, I still feel moments of joy in the season, but it just has a lot of sadness attached to it. And a lot of FOMO, obviously, because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you'll you see people, oh, well, they got a tree. I wish I had a tree. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's better <laughs> examples than that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm also sure there's people smarter than me who have talked about the sadness that comes along with Christmas. But it, it's kind of an interesting phenomena that a lot of people kind of don't, they, they pretend it doesn't exist. They're like, no, it's great all the time. Yeah. I I wonder if you can relate to this, um, and I feel like maybe you probably can, based mm-hmm. on what I know about you. But like when I was pr- like a teenager into um, the last few years, this has become less of a thing for me. Um, I used to get legitimately stressed out about all the f- things I felt like I had to do at Christmas time for it to be Christmas. Yeah. Like, and most of it was like I have to watch this movie and I have yeah. to listen to these songs, or else it's not Christmas time. I have to watch the stop motion Rudolph movie, and like mm-hmm. you keep collecting these little traditions every year to where at a certain point it, you can't do it every year. And right. <laughs> I would get like it would legitimately cause me emotional distress. Yeah, I, I do relate to that because my family really puts a lot of stocks in traditions and traditions remaining the exact same, which I think once a tradition has certain traditions, once they've hit and hit like the zenith of, OK, we've done this for X amount of years, it does lose its magic a little bit yeah. because part of the magic is like, let's do something different. Like if we do the ceremony of we watch Elf and then we have hot cocoa and we're outside, if we do that six years in a row, it just becomes like something we have to do. Like you said, it, it, it's like a task more than like an in the moment kind of Christmas thing. And like, I don't want to sound like a Grinch and I don't think either one of us are like, it just is because I do love Christmas um, because I like any holiday with an insane amount of pageantry and uh, like um, what's it called? Theming around it, you know? (laughs) So that's why Halloween and Christmas are my two favorite because they are, they've got movies associated with them. There's a, lots of bits like you said (laughs) and candy and um you know just various things but yeah i i I totally relate to that of like you start adding on these things you think have to be done in order to summon christmas and then it becomes more about those things than what those things made you feel that first time yeah 
You know, you know what one of my favorite Christmas traditions is. What is it? Snuggling up with a big old mug of hot cocoa and turning on the movie Carol, which I've watched every <laughs> year since I was in the womb before it was released. You read the book that it was based on, right? Oh, it's based on uh, a book. I didn't know that. I think it's based on a book. I feel like it is. Yeah, we we watched Carol this week um, to talk about people feeling sad at Christmas and the <laughs> expectations they feel during Christmas, which I do think this movie is about, which I which is why we talked about it for so long. But um, yeah. do we kind of? Eli, I'm gonna let you do it because I'm. Oh, um, call me an ancient kingdom because it feels like I've just been babbling on. Um, <laughs> terrible um tell us tell us kind of the general plot of this movie so you've got this woman named carol um she's the movie lady (laughs) uh (laughs) she's married to harge which is a great name uh but they are kind of in the middle of a divorce they've got one kid um and then you've got therese am i saying that right therese yes therese should be therese but it's therese played by rooney mara she is an aspiring photographer. She also works at a Toy Story. Ah, <laughs> uh, that wasn't intentional. She works at a toy store. Um, maybe she also works at a Toy Story as well. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe when she gets older, she moves to the Bay Area and starts working at Pixar. <laughs> yes. So uh, these two meet uh, when Carol is buying a toy for her child. Um, and Therese kind of recommends, like, hey, you should get your kid a train. And they kind of have a connection. Uh, T- Therese, is she dating the guy at the beginning? Um, or do they meet later? I can't really remember. The the the, the office guy? The yeah. boy from the office? Jake Lacey? Yes, I believe they are <laughs> loosely dating. Yes. So um, then Carol and Therese sort of start to develop a romantic relationship and it's very um it's very slowly played out as carol's still going through a divorce and obviously very taboo in the 1950s and so it ends up being something that harge carol's husband sort of uses against her in the divorce because um she they what what do they call it a morality clause yeah so they use the fact that carol is gay because she has had a relationship with Abby, another character played by uh, Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson, um, and uh, they sort of use this against her for to to keep her from being with her kid. And so it's about that tension of her being like, "Do I respond to my feelings and uh, my love for this person, or do I suppress that in order to be with my kid?" Um, and it ultimately sort of ends up having a happy-ish ending. Um, the I, I guess the end is sort of ambiguous, but um, right. she you, Carol is very um, she's very open. She's very honest, and she's and she comes out and is like, "Yes, um, I th- I am having this relationship. I've had that in the past, but now she's like, um, she doesn't deny that. But th- then she's also just like, let me see my kid on the weekends, whatever. Like I'm not gonna right. deny who I am. Um, and then she kind of goes back to Therese and is like, um, "Hey, you still?" Uh, so she invites her to live with her, and Therese is like, "Nope." at first um and then she sits there and she thinks about it and she's like hmm maybe so and she goes back 
kind of shares a fox and the hound glance with yep. <laughs> with Carol. <laughs> We're gonna have to talk about that. It's kind of the same movie. Um, yep. And uh, that's kind of where it ends ambiguously. I thought it was also really interesting that the movie began with the ending scene. Um, sort of. Yeah. They're yeah. in the restaurant together, which I completely forgot that that it even began with that scene until the end and I recognized it again. I was like, oh, I forgot that there was like a flash forward at the beginning, um, which I think do you know what really they well. Ca- do you know what they call that technique in the film? Um, they call it the flash forward. <laughs> no, it's it's in media Therese. Um, <laughs> um, so that is what they do. That's the, the worst thing the that's ever happened on this show. So. Potentially. Um, so yeah, it's it's what's interesting too is you, you said it it takes after it it takes a long time, but it kind of doesn't. In the movie it feels like a long time, but I would say the first yeah. like half or first two thirds is like it's over the week of Christmas. That's probably that's true, yeah. Um I would I I guess I felt like um it took a while for them to really acknowledge what was happening between them, like yes. verbally, and, yes. it, and then you know the relationship becomes physical. Like I don't know, two thirds of the way through the movie, but yeah. it is. You're right. It is very clear, honestly, from their first little meet cute. It's like, oh, there's chemistry between these people. And yes, honestly, <laughs> I was just thinking about how wild it is to like buy a toy from someone in a store and then call them later and be like, hey, you want to go to lunch? <laughs> to an employee of a store. Yeah, I mean, I would love to do that. I also I also think Carol's like intuition that Rooney Mara would be into it is also pretty incredible. Yes. <laughs> That's a pretty like very much brave so. thing to do of the t- at the time. Right. I mean even now like guessing like which gender somebody is into sure. like is not the easiest thing to guess. So Well, like, I think there's also a level of both of them being like is this uh, they they both are into the other person and they both suspect that the other person is into them but i think they're also both like is this what i think it is or not for like yeah, the first true. half of the movie like when she invites her to come to her house it's like what what is really happening here i don't think either of them either of them are really sure yet yeah i think even carol who who does the inviting no. inviting i don't know why i said that so bizarrely but she doesn't even really know what the intentions are of right. having Therese to the house. Um, yeah, I think this movie is pretty Good. interesting. I think it's also, I expected it to just be a romance and yeah. be, you know, kind of slow paced and, you know, it's a taboo relationship at the time. So being a lot of dealing with that, I didn't realize that the kid stuff and the court case and all of that was going to be a part of it right um which i which i do think helps the movie and i i i think that stuff's really good but when carol has a gun at one point i was like well did not think that was gonna happen in this movie (laughs) i was so worried when the first shot of the gun i think it's therese picks up the gun she like finds it or something and yeah. I was like, no, please. I thought the movie was going to end in one of them shooting themselves or something like that. I was like, yes, please, because I knew this movie had movies a reputation like yeah. for being kind of a tearjerker. Uh, but right. it really doesn't overdo it. Like, it's a very sweet movie. Like, it's just a very mm-hmm. sweet and tender movie. It doesn't, it's not like a, I don't know, it's not very heavy handed like I feared it might be. No, it's really not. It, it, it's really a good 
delicate balance. Um, and I think not leaning into that overt yeah. tear jerkiness. I mean, like truly compare this to the other romance film that we've covered on this podcast. Fox and the Hound. Fox and the Hound. <laughs> <laughs> I was also going to make that joke, but um, okay. Let, let's compare it to the notebook first and mm-hmm. then we will do Fox and the Hound. Um, but th- the notebook is very much trying to make you cry. It yeah. is working overtime to make you cry. It's, it's, pulling at your heartstrings it's building up this grand epic romance and in carol it's a lot quieter right so it's it's quieter by necessity of the time but it's also quieter based on who these two people are Mm -hmm. um which i think is i think is really interesting and not to make everything about Taylor Swift, but I have been <laughs> listening to that album a lot. And that is what I find so fundamentally interesting about those two albums is you have a couple moments of the grand epic fairy tale romance that Taylor Swift has always right. been interested in and other albums. But there's also a lot more on these two albums that are kind of about the like banality of romance of like sometimes romance is just being able to sit in a room with somebody Mm -hmm. and that's it. Sometimes like romance happens in the most boring starts. It's not always this grand epic gestures. It's, it's the little things that people do for each other, like along the way. And I think that's why those two albums are great and I think that's why this movie is great too because it is not focused on the it you know you know in a worse movie maybe Therese runs and shouts at Herge and there's a gun and he's jockeying for the gun and yeah. it's big dramatic scenes like that's not what this movie is Carol has a gun cuz she's scared for her safety and she kind of she doesn't need it but there's a guy who is bugging them yeah uh, literally he's placing a bug that listens in on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right way to say bugging them. Um, and she gets worked up in that moment, but I, it, that doesn't feel like an overwrought scene to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels naturalistic. I think that, uh, I really liked, um, the character of Harge. I didn't like him as a person necessarily, sure, but, <laughs> but I, I thought that he worked really well, um, kind of for what you were saying. Like he, he is not as over the top as he could have been. Um, you can tell right. that he has some amount of love for Carol still. And like, it's at, at least some amount of respect for her. And, you know, at the beginning when he's kind of like, let's go to Christmas with my family. Like we had fun tonight. Um, right. It's not just like, I don't know, it's not the cliche role um, that you would expect to be in a movie like this. Um, Yeah, you kind of see, like, yes, he is, like, definitely a jerk at times, and and arguably so, but you can kind of see that there is a part of him that is internalizing it. Yes. Which, like, is not fair to Carol, of course, but that is kind of explaining his character of, like, he is blaming himself of like oh if i was something different then uh, maybe carol would still like me and yeah he he's trying to hold on to what he can and he's also has a level of pettiness and like i think that's i mean what's interesting about his character as well of like i don't know that he judges her for being gay i think it is more yeah 
he just feels betrayed that she has chosen something other than him. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like I him, mean, he does him. weaponize it against her, but yes. he also, uh, I don't know at the end, her, her speech kind of in the negotiation room, like you can tell that it's effective on him when she says right. like, what are we doing here? Like, at least we can, we gave each other a kid that we both love. Right. Let's share our kid. And like, yeah. you, like he responds to that. Like he's not just like an inhuman monster. Right, and I think it's like um, he, like he's weaponizing the morality clause, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem in any moment that he, you know, in like worse movies, like somebody would mention someone being gay, and that character would like slam things against the wall, start throwing up, right. like that kind of <laughs> stuff, and like yeah. he's he's not. It's more on the personal betrayal that he's playing, which just makes him a more realized character. Um, Kyle Chandler is also really good at playing real people. Yeah. Um, I don't, you haven't seen Friday Night Lights, have you? I have not. That show is incredible. Um, I'm, I'm someone who like, likes sports for the stories and is not very good at watching sports by themselves, but like sports narrative sometimes are really effective on me and Friday Night Lights really ends up being just about people and relationships through that lens and he is so good in that show and that show made me cry hmm. several several times. I would times. probably and like was... Friday Night Lights I love Remember the Titans that's like one of my favorite movies and I'm like someone who does not care at all about football Yeah, but like that movie I love sports movies they're great I think you would actually adore Friday Night Lights no mm-hmm. lie I should probably watch it it's so good. Um, I'll figure out where it's streaming before the end of this episode. Um, what did you think of Sarah Paulson's character? Uh, here's the thing. I am a sucker for Sarah Paulson. I think she's an incredible... <laughs> this is going to sound like such a backhanded compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's an incredible actress who kind of plays the same thing very often, but she does that well, and I think that's good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I would say the exceptions are maybe, well, not even. Like, in Ocean's 8, she's kind of playing, like, the housewife with Mm -hmm. a secret thing. But I don't, that's not too far out of her realm. But, like, she's very often, you know, someone under a lot of stress, but trying to be reasonable and, like, logical and explaining things to people. She's very good in the American Crime Story OJ season. Um, and I think she's good in this. I think she serves her function well, and I think the the dynamic between her and Kate Blanchett is really interesting. Of like, seemingly they were former lovers, and they're not anymore, but they are they are still actual friends. Yes, yeah, it's very interesting. I've you don't see that kind of a dynamic that often because it's not like she's not there to stir up drama, which is kind of what not I at thought. all was her role at the beginning of the movie when she's when she's introduced. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, she's going to be this third character that's just, I don't know, it's like a love triangle. But she's, she's like, very kind. And, like, they have, her and, her and Carol, like, still have a very good relationship. And she's, like, her, what she says to Therese, um, <clears throat> like, is, I, I don't know. She, like, you could tell she's really looking out for her in that situation. Um, yeah, I think that scene in the diner or whatever between mm-hmm. Therese and Sarah Paulson's character may be one of my favorites in the movie, actually, because you kind of have yeah. Sarah Paulson being like, this is simply just the way it is. Like, it just mm-hmm. is this way, and it's it's not you, it's not 
it is Carol, but it's also not Carol. It just is the way that this is. And I, yeah. I, I think that's really interesting. Yep. What else should we talk about? It feels like winter in this movie. It does. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good vibe. Um, y- yeah. And it's not just because it's set at Christmas, even though, I mean, that does help. Yeah. It just is like, it feels, I don't know really how to explain it, but but the winterness of it really like stood out to me. Like it's the way that visually it looks. I think it's got like some film grain on it and that sort of thing. It's it very, feels... very grainy, but it's it's grainier toward the beginning than mm-hmm. later in the movie. Like I noticed I, it, the grain stood out to me like in that mm-hmm. first scene so much, but that adep- that definitely adds to it. It just it feels like winter in the 50s. What city are they in? I can't even remember. I don't know. <laughs> Springfield. Sure. It feels like <laughs> Springfield in the 50s in the winter time. Yeah. It just um I like that it uses like iconography where I just am kind of like, "Oh yeah, the 50s." Yeah. Like I know what the 50s is about. Yeah. I feel like Telling someone that they should buy a train set for a child is just inherently 1950s. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, I'm sure people still buy trains now. I don't know. What what toys do kids get anymore? Freaking YouTube subscriptions? Yeah, they get freaking YouTubes. Um, I don't know. what They get freaking Minecraft? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. It's like Nintendo Switches and then accessories for their Nintendo Switches. <laughs> Uh, it's just vape pens and <laughs> uh, hoverboards. Yep. Yeah. So you know all that kind of fifties iconography is really good. The department store. Um, I should I start wearing a Santa hat just like throughout all of Christmas? Yeah, you probably should. Um, it's like a good look. It is. My only Santa hat that I have also has Santa hair coming out of it, um, mm. and it doesn't look great. Yeah, I can see where that would be a challenge. I can stuff it into the hat, but it it looks lumpy when I do that. So, Eli, do you think you'll be a mall Santa when you're older? Oh, do you ever think God. about that as a career choice for yourself? <laughs> like maybe like, you know, one of these days I may just have to be a mall Santa. I think I probably will, unfortunately. Yeah, this year's probably the like. year to do it because they're doing the thing where you're like, there's a plexiglass wall between you and the kid. Yeah, those kids don't get anywhere near you. Yeah. Might do it this year. <laughs> <laughs> Just like call up your local mall and be like, you guys still hiring for this? I don't know what that has to do with Carol other than, you know, this movie is Christmas. Um, yeah, I I like um, Rooney Mara's Christmas work outfit. <laughs> yeah. Like in, in the same way that I, in Elf, um, what's her name? Josie, That's what I was like about her to say. Elf outfit. Yeah. I'm like, man, let's normalize that just being your Christmas attire and not just every job you should dress like that for Christmas and you should wear that Christmas day and then maybe we would be in the spirit more. Maybe we'd be less sad. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, it could it could fix the hole in our hearts. Um, Something else I just thought of that is very 50s, a uh, lot of cigs, a lot of cig smoking in this movie. So many cigs. Um isn't there a whole thing where uh herge is his name right kyle chandler like harge harge that's why i keep losing it i keep thinking of like her her gay herge the guy who wrote uh tintin um harge um like doesn't he like call carol out for smoking at one point like wasn't there a whole i think um someone does is it him 
someone does where they're like someone calls around and they're like you can't smoke here yeah and it's like there's so much smoking Kate Kate Blanchett can smoke a cigarette she looks so good good at smoking smoking a cigarette cigarette. um wow something I didn't actually really think of until right now is that Kate Blanchett and Sarah Paulson both are in Ocean's 8 Mm -hmm. I need to rewatch Ocean's 8 I liked that movie um yeah I I think The whole cast is really good here, and it's not one of those things where um, the actors feel too modern for the era that they're in. Yeah. You know, they feel like um, of the 50s. But there, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it where there are times where some people are cast, and you're like, "Mm -mm, you do not look like you're from this era at all. Yeah. Uh, um, Of course, I can think of zero examples. Yeah. but Pete let's Davidson. talk about Pete Davidson. <laughs> I don't know that he's in been, a, but like I'm just imagining him in a 50s movie. Would it work? Well, I don't think so. Well, he's George Bailey, and it's a wonderful. Oh, life. I forgot about that. That's probably subconsciously why his name <laughs> came into my head because I was thinking about this recently. Which I mean, it's just a table read. Once I, I found out it was a table read, I was like, oh, who cares? Everyone, stop talking about it. Like, talk about it because it's for charity. But shut up. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's fine that they do that actually. Um, so let's get in the meat of why, of why we're here though. The, um, the crying, the crying, the crying, what, what are, uh, what are some moments that you identified as quote unquote cry points? I got three of them. Um, the first one was Therese, uh, crying on the train when she leaves Carol's house the first time. Cause it, it ends with, uh, Harge coming home and they have a big argument and then, Carol's kind of short with her and just drives her to the train station. And then she starts crying on the train kind of spontaneously. Yeah. Um, that one. And then uh, when Carol hangs up on Therese, um, when she, Therese calls her um, after uh, when the courtroom stuff is going on, um, she calls her and then Carol just hangs up on her. Um, yeah. And then the other one was Carol's speech at the end. Um when yeah her her oscar speech you know yeah her her oscar speech um yeah i i definitely had the oscar speech as well i also had um therese has a whole like speech in the car that felt pretty emotional oh yeah um and then carol's letter to therese um as the like breakup happens basically and she's like we can't do this right now this is why yeah etc um, I thought was pretty effective, and then the staring contest at the end. Yeah, um, that that's one I should have included too. Yeah, I can see where that would be emotionally affecting because it is a fox in the hound moment. Eli, do mm-hmm. you want to talk about why this movie is fox in the hound? Uh, sure. Well, they're the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, instead of look, being gay, it's being a fox. You can't be friends with a hound. You can't. Right. Here's the thing, though. I thought people were like, you know, you don't. They're cartoon characters and they're mm-hmm. animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fox and the Hound is a gay movie, especially after watching Carol and then thinking about Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, Fox and the Hound is about two male animals who fell in love with each other, and that's good. Um, yeah, I can see it. it 
it, it doesn't have a happy ending, um, which is the other reason why you know that it's queer cinema, because most of the time those end very sadly. I feel like you and Clint both interpreted the ending of Fox and Hound sadder than I did. They can't be friends. I, but I took it as them like <laughs> looking at each other and being like, even though we can't hang out, like we are still going to be friends. And like in my mind, like they still from time to time find ways mm-hmm. to hang out. I don't know. I don't see that anywhere. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, okay. I am looking up if Carol got any Oscar nominations and it didn't. Mm. None? None? That's sad. It Oh no no no. Here we go. Sorry. They Rooney Mara got nominated for best supporting actress. Um gosh, you know Wikipedia sometimes is useful and then sometimes it's not. <laughs> is Rooney um, supporting? Okay. Well, it's category fraud. I feel like she's um, the lead in this movie. because this is So not to invoke an evil man's name, but this is a Weinstein movie in an era where mm-hmm. they were still doing Weinstein Oscar campaigning. Um, yeah. And they were the Kings of like, mm, let's, you know, make things a little. Um, okay. But God, she's I'm definitely the lead of this movie, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say kind of inarguably. Yeah. Because the movie's called Carol because it's about, it's a Carol is like the, point of affection yes if that makes sense i don't know it's here's the thing i think that they're both leads i i think that's a problem that the oscars kind of put us in where we think one actor is the only lead in a particular movie but this i mean they're both the leads um it's kind of similar to like you know brad pitt won an oscar for best supporting when he is fully the second lead of that movie. Like there yeah, just is. But she like of the two between Carol and Therese, Therese is more the lead than Carol for sure. If you have to pick one. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say the supporting performances are Sarah Paulson and yeah. Kyle Chandler. Mm-hmm. Um, so here are the Oscar noms. Kate Blanchett did get nominated for best actress. Rini Mara got nominated for supporting actress. It got nominated for adapted screenplay, cinematography makes sense. Costume design. It's a period piece makes sense. And then um, best score. So it did get Oscar noms. What I had in my head was it was a big deal when it didn't get a director gotcha. or picture. Oh, this nom. got best score. Yes. Yes. That's good. It was a very good score. Um, you you notice music more than I did, so or I typically do. So this this score really stood out to you. Yeah, I thought it was great. Very good. Um, so we can cry about it not getting any Oscar chances, but the bigger question is, did we cry while watching this film, Cody? And I'm. Are you sitting down? I'm. I am. I think you're gonna be shocked to hear. No, I'm just kidding. It didn't make me cry. Oh my god, you you had me close, and <laughs> I was like, I wouldn't <laughs> think you did. But no, not at all. Gonna... It came. Cl- I came closer in all three Lord of the Rings movies, which <laughs> I have seen ten times each, probably. Oh gosh. Um. Yeah, I also didn't cry. Continuing the flawed premise of our podcast, <laughs> of I've cried once. 
Um, I, I still stand by him typically more of a crier, which we explain in the background parts, but for whatever reason. Here's here's the freaking dealio. If we were allowed to go see sad movies in a theater right now, I'd be crying every single episode. <laughs> but yeah. I, it's the at-home experience really doesn't get me as much because I'm thinking about like, oh, got to move that laundry real quick or whatever. Yeah. I think it's just, for me, it's like this movie, very emotional movie. I can certainly understand how it could make someone cry, but it does not touch any of my personal things. Like, it's not just the fact that I can't relate to being a gay woman in the 1950s. Right. Um, But it's like, I just, those aren't, romance movies are not the ones that typically make me cry. Forbidden Love, Fox and the Hound did nothing for me. The Notebook did nothing for me. Yeah, we have covered a lot of forbidden romance movies. We have, We're at our we? third of like however many we've done, which is not that many. So maybe maybe we'll put a like an X on forbidden love movies. Ratatouille's for the kind of a forbidden future. love movie. It's a, the story of a rat. True. He's in love with Cookie. <laughs> True. So that would mean that of how many episodes of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven episodes. Three are definitely forbidden love movies. There's I was the kidding. Fourth about arguable <laughs> about Ratatouille. Um, yeah. So, um, and the other movie w- was about aliens. Hey, if you think about it, Alexander Hamilton in pr- Pursuit of Happiness. He's Will Smith is kind of in love with having a job, and that is <laughs> that's sort of a forbidden romance, that, which is the love we all should have because yes. it's w- what our value is uh, right. c- connected to. So. Um, well, this is the end of the show. Normally we do producer reviews. Wait, excuse me. We do have some producer reviews. Are you unaware of this? We do? Yeah, we do. Um, so producer reviews is the segment of the show where we, um, hear some reviews from our producers, which are the co-hosts of our other podcasts, Chad, Mark, and Clint. Um, yeah. Chad said about this movie, my favorite carol is the Christmas shoes song. Okay, so I <laughs> I explicitly said that if they were going to do bad joke reviews and not watch the movies, I would not say that. And, and, so and I, I did not, not say that. Uh, Clint said, my favorite carol is probably Silent Night. I love when we would all raise the candles. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. I give Clint a half point because at least his is a carol. Christmas shoes <laughs> is not true. a carol. It's a Christmas song. And um, Mark said, my favorite carol is the lady that cut my hair when I was a kid, which is also a carol. You can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. I don't know who cut his hair. So uh, way to go, producers. You had Eli on your side after me saying no bad bits. Um, we also normally look for uh, letterbox reviews, but we didn't really find any this week that uh, spoke to us. They were just people saying they cried. And they were sad, and it's like, yep, we got it. That's why we picked it. Um, so, Carol, did we like the movie? I think we both did. Yeah, I liked it. Good movie. Yeah. Good movie. I don't know that it's a movie I need to watch multiple times, and I know it is one that people tend to rewatch. Um, but it, I, I've got it. Yeah, you know, that's what it feels like for me. I, w- I'll be honest. When you said that this is what we were doing on the show, I was a little bit like. We're, we get one shot at a Christmas movie and we're doing Carol, which is a movie that I've like heard about from film Twitter, but like don't know anything about. Um, but it was a good choice. I'm glad I watched this movie. 
Okay, that's good to hear because I mostly chose a this because it was adjacent to Christmas and a lot of the stereotypical weepy Christmas movies don't really do anything for me. Yeah. Um, which is, you know. I, don't I know. mean, I admittedly it, did say to you when we were starting the show, I was like, I want you to be at the wheel. Like, I don't want to have any <laughs> right. input here. So, um, I also think it's like, the thing with traditional Christmas movies if you, is you see them a million times. And that's something we've talked about in the past of yeah. like, it's only the rare movie for me where if I watch it multiple times, it makes me cry. Somehow Lion King after seeing it a hundred times still works, but that is the rare exception. Um, I do think I cried every time I saw in game in theaters, which was four times. So you're such a nerd. I don't know. A f- flipping nerd. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's wrap it up. Eli, tell people where they can find your dry eyes and Christmas takes. Oh, you can find my dry eyes at my other podcast, Purely Nostalgia, which you might be listening to now. You might not. Uh, we talk about kids' movies and stuff. You can find my Christmas takes on Twitter. Um, I'm at Elisha P. Smith on there. You can find my uh, uh, a- avatar TikTok uh, influencing on TikTok at Mr. Wallet. And you can find me at Cody Lunsford underscore on Twitter and Instagram at Cody Lunsford on Letterboxd, which is really the only place you need to follow me because that is where I talk about movies. Oh, yeah. Letterboxd, too. I'm on that, too. <laughs> Letterboxd is where you will see me watching films. Uh, TV series that they allow to slip through and random <laughs> specials that also get allowed to slip through. Mm. Uh, the moment they're allowed me to review life experiences on Letterboxd, I probably will. Um, you can find my other show if you happen to be on the purely nostalgia feed and you're not a double subscriber. You can find my other podcast. Um, it's called Best Pictures and you find that by going into Apple Podcasts and typing it right in. Um, I think that's it, Eli. Is there anything you want to say? Any Christmas? Well, you know what? This episode comes out after Christmas. Is Wait, does thing. it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Hey, I just want to say. Or it comes out on Christmas Day. Okay. I guess we have to decide. Yeah, it would come out Christmas Day. Oh, so that's Merry awesome. Christmas, hey, everyone. Merry Christmas, Sob Goblins. I hope Santa brought you lots of goodies. You can find me also at the mall. Um... Sitting next to a sheet of plexiglass. <laughs> if you want to come sit next to it and tell me what you want for Christmas, I'm probably done for the year at this point. Yeah. Uh, but still, uh, I don't know. Give it a shot. Well, has Christmas been postponed because of COVID? Yeah. I have not seen the press release. Fauci said that Santa is immune, right? Yes, I think he did. I think Fauci did make the claim that Santa was immune, which then leads to a lot of questions of why he's not cooperating with the vaccine efforts more. Um, so Santa is canceled. He could really help with distribution, couldn't he? Honestly, there is not a better distribution system <laughs> than Santa Claus. <laughs> He's literally the most efficient distribution system we have as, like, humans. And wow. we are not, which really makes you wonder what Santa believes in. Like, we believe in Santa, but what does Santa believe in, you know? Yeah, that, mm, that sucks. Santa, do better. <laughs> That sucks. Santa's canceled. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time, we urge you to. Live and let cry.